welcome back to Living in the Wait. Uh, for this session, you've just got me, and uh, I'm really looking forward to talking with you about the subject of being filled with the Holy Spirit. So a few questions that I, I just want to put out to you on this as, as a starting point is, what do you know about baptism in the Holy Spirit? What have you learned? What have you heard about it? And have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Uh, how would you know if you had been? I find that people often answer this question uh, one of three ways. Uh, if they haven't heard about it, they might answer it very much like uh, the Ephesian believers in Acts 19, which we're going to have a look at during this session. Is, uh, I haven't even heard about this Holy Spirit. Uh, you might also find that if they have been, that they will answer it by saying, yes, yes, indeed I have. I really know what that that is and I partake in that and uh, big excited eyes as, as they talk about uh, the the joy of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then there are those who, as, as believers, uh, might say, well, I think I am. I'm supposed to be, right? I, um, I've accepted Jesus. Doesn't that mean I'm filled with the Spirit? So we're going to have a look at what the Scripture has to say about this and hopefully bring some some understanding and some clarity on the subject. And the thing I want you to understand about being filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's all sorts of uh, titles and terms that are used for this. People might say things like being filled, being baptized, being empowered. Uh, but the, the key point to this is that there is a dynamic that takes place which is often separate to the experience of salvation or being saved, where the Holy Spirit comes with power upon an individual and radically changes them, radically changes their life. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus tells us that this empowering is for the purpose of being an effective witness to him. Now, we're going to start off by having a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 32 and 33, which says, God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. And this is the Apostle Peter speaking on the day of Pentecost. Verse 33, now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us just as you see and hear now. And I want you to notice those words, see and hear, because in every time, that we see people filled with the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, there is always something to see and hear. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39, we read, Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ 
for the remissions of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now, I want you to notice that there's three separate events that are taking place in that scripture as he outlines it. First of all, repent. Repentance. Repentance is, of course, turning away from our sinful life. So he says, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. So this is the call to water baptism, being baptized in water. And then you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we've got three separate things here. It's all in the one sentence, but it's three separate things that Peter is describing is taking place. Repentance, baptism in water, and receiving the Holy Spirit. And the other thing that I love about this scripture is who is it for? Verse 39, for the promise is to you and your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord God will call. Well, let's face it, folks. You're not going to get too much further away from the event in which Peter's describing this than us on the other side of the planet 2,000 years after the event. So this scripture that we're reading here Receiving the Holy Spirit, this is for us, this is for you. So as you're listening to this, I want you to understand everything that we're reading. Peter is prophesying to us in Acts 2, 38 and 39, and he's saying it to you that this is for you, for those who are way, way off in the distance, our children's children's children. As far away as they can be, well, you don't get much further away from Israel than Australia. And that promise still stands for us. So we're going to have a look at the book of Acts and at all the events in which we see people being filled with the Holy Spirit. So the first of those is on the day of Pentecost, which is in Acts chapter 2. But I'm just going to read a little bit from Acts chapter 1 first. Acts chapter 1 verse 4 and 5 says, Once when Jesus was eating with them, he commanded them, Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days you will receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is telling them that despite everything that they have known and experienced, they need something else. Jesus told those who believed, and note that these are people who believed not to go anywhere, not to preach, not to start churches or fulfill their callings until they first received the promise of the Father, which was in his own words, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So do you see here that believing is not an automatic sign that you have the Holy Spirit in you? You will see this confirmed 
in other scriptures that we look at later. All these people following Jesus were perfectly capable of believing in him and following him without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So you don't have to be filled to be a follower. And I really want to make that clear, that being a follower of Jesus Christ, in accordance with what it says in Romans, is as you believe in your, or as it actually says, as you confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. And, and that is what makes us a follower of Jesus Christ. Confession and belief. And if you are willing to confess Jesus is Lord, you believe that, that he died and was raised to life again, then you're saved. And you don't need the baptism in the Holy Spirit to do that. But why do we need it? Why did Jesus say that he didn't want his disciples to do anything until they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, we're going to have a look at what happened. So in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, we read, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was the sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So notice that they were filled or baptized with the Holy Spirit just as Jesus had foretold. And this was the promise of the Father and was accompanied by them speaking in tongues. The noise of the rushing mighty wind was, was the wake, the, the, the entrance of the Holy Spirit into the temples that he had always desired to dwell in. And again, Scripture does not say that he was wind, but rather the wind was the manifestation of his entrance. So the question is, was there anything to see or hear when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit? And of course the answer is yes. We read it in verse 4, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So, first of all, they needed this baptism before anything else, according to Jesus. And he commanded them to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It wasn't a suggestion. It wasn't an option. It was a command from him. And as they waited upon him, they were baptized as promised. So the second one that we're going to look at is found in Acts chapter 8 in Samaria. So Philip had gone into a city to proclaim Jesus and multitudes came out to hear the things that he spoke about. And as he did, we read in Acts chapter 8, verse 7, many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So he's having an outreach in Samaria, 
And there's amazing power and the city is overjoyed. And we read in verse 12 of chapter 8, but now the people believed Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he began following Philip wherever he went. And he was amazed by the signs and great miracles that Philip had performed. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon their believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, when Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, he offered the money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the question that I want you to consider is this. What did Simon see and hear that was so powerful that he was willing to pay money to learn how to lay hands on people as Peter and John were doing, especially in the light of the fact that he had already seen Philip casting out devils and healing lame people. I mean, I would have thought that healing lame people and casting out devils was a pretty amazing thing to see. But for Simon, the thing that really stood out to him was that the apostles, when they laid hands on people, that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, it doesn't tell us in this text what took place, but I believe that it's very obvious. What was so special and so unique that Simon had never seen it before, and I put it to you, that it was that as the apostles laid hands on them, that they spoke in other tongues. Now we're going to flip forward into Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 7. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. Verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? He asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said John's baptism was called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. Verse 5, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, 
The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So was there anything to see or hear in this story that would suggest that they had been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Of course there is. We are told that they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Now, if we go back to Acts 19, when the Apostle Paul himself receives the Holy Spirit, we read in, in Acts 9, verse 17 to 18, So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. So there was certainly something to see and, or at least see, maybe not here, but at least to see, because these things that were like scales fell from his eyes and caused him to receive his sight again. So did Paul speak in tongues, though? It certainly doesn't say that he did. And yet, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 18, Paul himself, in writing to the Corinthians, says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than any of you. So when did Paul begin speaking in tongues? Of course, it was when Ananias prayed for him that he would be baptized in the Holy Spirit. The next one we're going to look at is the house of Cornelius. There was a Roman officer named Cornelius. He and his household and friends would become the first Gentiles to be born again. A Gentile is a non-Jew, like you and I, I imagine. Cornelius had been fasting and praying. He'd been doing this often. But one afternoon, an angel appeared to him and told him to send for Peter. Once Peter came a few days later, Cornelius had gathered all of his loved ones and they were ready to hear his message. And Peter began to preach Jesus. But before he could even finish, we read in Acts chapter 10, verse 44 to 46, that the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Verse 46, For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. So what was seen and heard in this story? Of course, it was that these Gentiles were now speaking in tongues as they praised the Lord. So the key point that I want you to see in all of these stories from the book of Acts, <clears throat> pardon me, is every single time someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was something to see and hear. And in every instance, it is apparent that there was speaking in tongues. So if you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can expect that that's going to take place as well.
Now, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, first of all, I want to tell you that it's as easy as being born again, and you must indeed already be born again for the Spirit to come upon you, for you to be able to receive the Holy Spirit. And of course, if you've got any pattern of disobedience or unforgiveness or offense in your life, you need to deal with that because the Holy Spirit can't dwell in a place where there's unforgiveness and disobedience to the the pattern and the commands that God has given. But I want you to know that he wants to give you a good gift. In Luke 11, Verse 11 to 13, Jesus said, You fathers, if your children ask you for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who believe? So he wants to give you this gift. Don't think that somehow you're unworthy. He wants to give it to you. And don't doubt. In James chapter 1, verse 6 to 7, it says, But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. But in Mark Chapter 11, verse 24, it says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So ask yourself at this moment, when will you receive? When will you speak in tongues? Will it be, or or let me rephrase the question, When will you receive the Holy Spirit? Is it when you speak in tongues or is it the moment that you ask? And of course, the answer should be the moment that you ask because in the kingdom of God, we believe, then we receive. I also want to encourage you that you have to yield, you have to give yourself over to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not going to force himself on you. He wants you to partner with him. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 4, it says, And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So notice that they spoke in tongues. It was not the Holy Spirit who spoke in tongues. They had to do it as the Spirit gave them the words. So there's a yielding. I may be able to stand in a fast-flowing river, but unless I pick up my feet and yield to the river, I'm not going to flow with it. So there's some areas where you must yield. First of all, your lips. If you don't move your lips, words, whether English or a foreign language or a heavenly language, can't come out. And your tongue. If you don't move your tongue, you can't speak. And your vocal cords. If you don't allow your vocal cords to move, you can't speak. And your lungs. If you don't breathe and allow air to flow, nothing will come out to be heard or seen. 
Now, I'm not being silly here. Some people struggle because subconsciously they think that the Holy Spirit is going to grab hold of their vocal system and make them speak almost like a puppet. But no, we speak and he gives us the utterance. In John 7, chapter, uh, chapter 7, verse 38 to 39, it says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive. So when you ask for the Holy Spirit, you may have a syllable bubbling up or rolling around in your head. Where the yielding comes into this is here. Because we have to speak by faith. Many people find that they will only get one little bit at the start. But as they yield to it and speak it out, then that heavenly language begins to flow. The dam of living waters is opened. In Romans 8.26, it says, In the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us through wordless groans. So allow these groans from your soul to come out and to give birth to the new language that God has for you. So remember, believe and yield. And if you've got any other questions about receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, make sure that you reach out to, to myself or one of your home church leaders and make sure that you get those questions answered. But if you would like to believe that the Holy Spirit could come upon you right now, I want you to open yourself to be ready to receive. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray together for you to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if you've got another believer with you, you might want to ask them to be involved and to perhaps lay hands on you and pray for you. But I'm expecting the filling of the Holy Spirit to cause you to speak in tongues and to prophesy as this is the most common evidence that can take place, especially to you, that you have been empowered by the Spirit. So I'm going to pray for you. And what I want you to do is to repeat the, this after me. And then we're going to believe that the Holy Spirit is going to rest on you. Father, I ask that you would search me and show me if there is any disobedience in my heart. Please show me if there is any person I have withheld forgiveness from. I choose to obey and to forgive no matter what you reveal to me. I ask this in the name of Jesus and thank you so very much. In the name of Jesus, I come to you as a child. You said, if I asked, if I asked you for the Holy Spirit, you would give him to me. With joy, I now ask in faith, 
please baptize and fill me at this very moment with your Holy Spirit. I receive all you have for me, including the ability to speak in tongues. So now, in faith, I will speak in new tongues. Amen. And I declare to you right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, open your mouth and speak forth. Amen and amen.